This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Thursday episode of Flippin' Bats. I got some big news for you because Samba Dennis's visa has been approved. He is officially coming to the United States, and it was quite the process. I will tell you all about that in this episode. And also, from finger-pointing to name-hurling, the Yankees and Blue Jays feud has officially hit the fan. Coming up, we're going to walk you through all of it and tell you who is in the wrong. Once preseason favorites, the mighty Mets have been surprisingly sinking. Now showing signs of life, have the Mets found their fix? And... As we reach a checkpoint of the season, we're going to hand out our own fun hardware from the first quarter of the year. All this and more on Flippin' Bats. Let's go. It's a blowout, eighth inning, 10 3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out of the real pitch. He swings, and it's a high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, my friends? Happy Thursday, everyone. Alex, it is a big day because I think your, your Lakers are back in action today after a tough, a tough game one. You know what? I'm not wearing my Lakers shirt today because they did not obviously win on Tuesday when I wore the Lakers shirt. And uh, I'm a little superstitious. So I'm going with badass black today. Hopefully give him a little motivation. I don't know if it's a good choice because we're in a really small room and I'm wearing leather and I am sweating already so much. So if I'm like wet by the end of the show, like face dripping, that's why. I don't think enough people are talking about it with the the Lakers early game struggles. You know, um, we talk all uh-huh. about the altitude in Denver uh-huh. and how home runs yep. travel far and uh-huh. all the altitude. They're fine. Maybe the basketball was struggling to go in oh, because stop. of the altitude. Oh, you never know. Stop. It got close at the you end. Never know. They're going to be just fine. Um, Alex, I have some big, yeah, you big do. News. Give us the deets. So, Kasumba Dennis, as I have talked about his story along the way, um, hit a, a bit of a snag in what was going on with his visa, but it is officially, officially approved after getting denied three separate times. Whoa. The visa was denied three separate times. The American embassy has approved it as of today. Thursday morning. So this has been uh, quite the process. I, a couple of weeks ago, told the whole story and how he was coming, but the final process was the visa. Yeah. And it was getting denied, and it was becoming um, uh, worrisome, to say the least. And officially, finally today, it has been approved. Um, but I did, I've talked to him today. Um, he reached out and just said, again, how thankful and how excited he is. Yeah. But I did some a bit of research on on the process and why why it was getting denied and, and everything but what it turns out is he was getting denied because he had been unable to prove that he had close family ties that would compel him to return to Uganda oh. now the reason that he didn't have those close family ties is because he's an 18 year old kid who never knew his father and his mother abandoned him when he was two months old 
So he's dealing with all that. Obviously, he doesn't have those close family ties, but that was the reason that he wasn't able to, to get approved to get over here. But thankfully, uh, MLB got involved during this process. They helped this get approved. Uh, a lot of people were involved here. So uh, very, very, very good news. He is now coming to the United States end of the month. Uh, end of the month. And then June 1st is the first game of this 30-game season. He's playing for the Frederick Keys. Opening day being June 1st. I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, but this has been an update that I have been waiting to share for sure. I mean, even just... Obviously, the whole background story that, Ben, you've covered from the start and that we shared on the show a couple weeks ago and the videos that we see of him just working out in the mud with tires, with trash cans, anything he can do to get it done. I had no idea about the family background situation, which now makes his full story even crazier and even more just warms your heart that he did this all on his own and this is yeah. just a dream of his that he's not going to take no for an answer because the last time when we were talking earlier this week we didn't actually know if it was going to happen if he was going to be able to come over here and get that visa approved yep so great news and obviously exactly right and now it is approved and this was the final step yeah. in the entire process it is happening we are good and uh, this stress that had come about is uh, is now alleviated. So all very, very positive things. And I couldn't be more excited for this. I am going to continue supporting him throughout this entire journey. Every update you could possibly imagine. Um, I'm going to try. We're going to try and get him on flipping bats yeah. before he comes over and while he's over and throughout the whole process. So this is going to be a blast. And, and this is a very good, good thing and a good day. Yeah, you were like his little U.S. baseball angel because you really <laughs> – Use the platform and the Flippin' Bats community to share his story, get it out there, and get everyone involved that we needed to. So, kudos to you, Ben. Kudos. That to him. was that he, was great. Just yeah. the whole the whole situation, the whole story. Yep. I love that. But let's talk about some drama in Major League Baseball because we had major <laughs> drama in the Yankees and Blue Jays series almost every single day. But let's start. With Monday, you kind of addressed it earlier this week in a podcast with Aaron Judge peeking over to the dugout right before he hits a home run. But but more <laughs> info has come out since then. Alex, this entire series yeah. has just been madness. And the rivalry that is clearly just continues to become bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is becoming... One of, if not the best, I can't call must it the watch. best rivalry. It was just must-watch TV yes, is what it, it is. It is becoming must-watch TV, but it doesn't start with this series. This this new budding, blossoming rivalry needs a bit of a backstory to understand okay. it all. So in November of last year, yeah. if you remember, Vladdy Jr. said in an interview, I like to play in New York. I like to kill the Yankees. <laughs> I would never sign with the Yankees. Not even dead. Is what he said. I in November. forgot about that. Then in the offseason, ace of the Toronto Blue Jays, Alec Manoa, on NBA star Serge Ibaka's show, said, when asked who's the biggest cheater in baseball history, said Garrett Cole was his answer for who is the biggest cheater in baseball Did he say history. Why? Uh, he went on to talk about Spider Tack ah, and uh, I think did like an example with baseball and how sticky. Okay. But what regardless, for the answer to be Garrett Cole seems what a little a bit out. a little bit crazy. And then we get this series. And on Monday, Aaron Judge hits two home runs 
right before he hits the second one. He's caught on the Blue Jays broadcast. The cameras caught him peeking over. I talked about this a ton on Wednesday, the whole process. We all know, look, he was caught peeking over at the dugout. The the Toronto Blue Jays broadcast called him out, and without while saying, now we don't want to start anything, they started something, yeah. and then he immediately hit a home run. Um, and I look, I talked all about this. It is clear what's happening. They were the the pitcher was tipping. This later, this is a new thing that came out when it when I talked about this Wednesday. We hadn't yet known, but the pitcher came out and said he was tipping. So guess what? The dugout was picking something up. Oh yeah, that's what he was looking at. Alex, his post game comments <laughs> of, "Hey, I was just checking in on my teammates to see who was chirping the umpire." I mean, come on. But, okay, let's be honest here. Let's talk about, like, Aaron Judge, the person, right? There are certain players that would come out and say certain things. Like, also, when he hit the home run and he points to the outfield who was chirping at him the whole game, too. Yeah. Like, oh, I I wasn't pointing pointing to the fans. I was pointing to our bullpen for doing a good job. For doing a good job after – yeah. No, 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 no. So, A, he's a bad liar. Okay, we can just, like, put that out there. But also, it's not in his character – to actually call that out. Like if it like certain players would be like, "Oh yeah, I was just giving it back to the fans. They were chirping me all game. I was giving it back to them." But for Judge, he almost kind of has to have this very politically correct kind of persona as the Yankees captain. And that's just kind of who he is as well. He's not going to go out of line, but clearly we know what's happening. It is so obvious in both of those incidences exactly what is happening. Do you think, Alex, do you think that Aaron Judge is saying these things thinking he's being slick and that people believe what he's saying? Or I could see this being him and his personality. Do you think he's saying these things intentionally being funny, knowing people know what's going on? But he obviously... I don't think he can come out and say, yeah, no. we had his pitches. I was looking over no. in the dugout. Because you can't, you say, can't that. say that. So what do you say? Obviously, he was caught off guard. Yeah. Do you think he says that these things? That was good on your feet, though. No, it was think good. Think about that. But, like, clearly it's not true. So do you think he's saying these things knowing, like, you know, this is this is a bit comical? Or do you think he thinks people believe it? I think he thinks people believe it. Oh, no. right? I don't know him personally, though, so I don't know if he's, like, a goofy, like, sarcastic guy because then that's a whole different scenario. I also don't know sarcasm. Like, well, if so. I'm really bad at that. <laughs> well, I believe everything. I am super gullible. I believe anything and everything people tell me. So one of the other things that you mentioned that yeah. just clearly aren't – the home run, he hit another home run. Yeah later in the series after all of this was happening and there's more to cover in this series but um after a domingo german ejection uh due to sticky stuff we'll get into that as well but he hit a home run and ends up pointing out to the right field crowd that was giving him a ton of shit all game long for just calling him cheater yelling at him he hits a home run and guess what he does he points out to the outfield points out there and after the game they ask who are you pointing at he says I was pointing at our bullpen for doing a good job coming in and getting the job done after Domingo German got ejected. No, you weren't. (laughs) You weren't. (laughs) No, it's lies. It's lies. I mean, it's. I mean, I love it. If he's intentionally, I I think it's even better if he's just like coming up with these crazy things. I I think it's great. But more in this series, Alex. After that situation, yeah. On Monday, of course. 
the drama just had to get more and more because obviously the two teams looked or the the Blue Jays specifically looked into this. Yeah. And they ended up reaching out to Major League Baseball saying the Yankees coaches in the boxes are way too far out of position. <laughs> the third base coach and the first base coach too far out of position. They reach out to Major League Baseball about this. Okay. Wh- whatever. But the next day in the third <laughs> inning of this game, the the Blue Jays started just screaming at the third base coach for the Yankees because he was too far out of the box. John Schneider starts yelling at him. Another coach in the dugout, they just start yelling at the guy, and then tensions start flaring. The Yankees dugout starts yelling. John Schneider sees them yelling. He looks over and tells somebody in the dugout to shut up, fat boy. I can't. I can't. He goes, shut up. Shut up, fat boy. To the Yankees dugout. It Who is. was he even talking about? <laughs> It is so good. This is the drama that we need in Major League Baseball and rivalries in between teams. I am here for all of this. I love all of this. It's petty. It's fun. It gives us something to talk about. But it's also heated. Like, it's fun and heated games. This says Brad Wilkerson was the target of shut up fat boy comment. Heard the good nature... Heard good-natured ribbing pretty much all day from Yankees players and staff, but it did irk plenty. As one member of the traveling party said of Schneider, he should look in the mirror. Jesus I mean, they were cutting deep. They were just trying to get at each other. It was beautiful. Oh, my God. And then, of course, Alex, the very next inning to start the the bottom of the fourth inning, heading out to the mound, Domingo German, who earlier in the year had the sticky stuff incident where he wasn't ejected but was pretty dang close. Yeah. Ends up getting ejected for sticky stuff right after the shut up fat boy comment to the team. Just insane what was going on here. The umpire ended up saying after it was extremely shiny and extremely sticky. And this is my favorite quote, maybe ever in baseball. It was the stickiest hand I've ever felt. (laughs) (laughs) This just keeps getting absolutely ridiculous. But... I will say, Domingo German, <laughs> did it look like he was using more? Sure. But I will say here, as long oh. as we continue to have um, no no guidelines in baseball with this sticky stuff, and it's just objective and an umpire saying, well, that's the stickiest hand I've ever felt. You're <laughs> out of here. We got to fix this. We have to fix it. And do I believe Domingo German might have been using something a little more than just rosin? maybe yes probably it looked like it but until we set the guidelines we're just going to continue to have this exact same conversation which is well maybe he was doing too much maybe he wasn't we got to figure that out they have to have some sort of like substance testing like swab his hand right yeah just kind (laughs) of We all know about swabs over the last couple of years you can find out anything within 15 minutes on a swab so yeah i there needs to be some, we 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 did a deep dive in this a couple weeks ago. There needs to be some sort of process, like a put in place <laughs> process. Of, There's just currently no process in place nothing. to check stickiness other than feeling it. You remember in the playoffs last year when they just went out and caressed Joe Musgrove's yes. ears out on the mound? Oh my gosh! Like, ah, I think he's fine. Yeah. Just take a swab, check it. Yeah. Check his hand. Run it through a system, and if it's over a certain level of stickiness, yeah, eject him. Yeah, but the 
But I do like if we keep getting these quotes of, well, that was the stickiest hand I've ever felt. You know what? I'm all for it. Let's yeah. keep the current. Person. But it's also a big deal. Like if you get ejected for it, then you have to be out X amount of games. And like a fine and a fine. So th that's a big deal. Yeah. So it it's only fair to the players to make it some sort of like this is exactly what happens if this happens. Yeah. So but. just quite the series. I love uh, it. I, I want more of this. This this rivalry is going nowhere. The Jays are going to be good for a long time. The Yankees are the Yankees. This is uh, we got we got drama every game this series. So this mm. is this is great stuff. I loved every second of it. I know I loved it too. Yeah. Let's just that's our statement on this series. Yes. Now let's move on to our next segment, making a statement, where I'm going to give you some bold statements. You tell me whether you like it or you don't. Okay. Ready? Yep. Okay. Let's get started with the other New York team. Okay. Okay. The young guys have saved the Mets season. <sighs> oh. No, I so here's what I'm gonna say. Alex, how okay. long have I been clamoring on let the kids play? Since before the season started. Let the kids play. Let Brett Beatty make the team. Let Brett Beatty come up. Let Alvarez come up. Let Vientos come up. Let Mauricio come up. Well finally it just seems like pulling teeth, but it's finally happening. Yeah. I am going to agree with this statement because of what happened Wednesday. Yeah. You finally call up one of the guys, Mark Vientos, mm -hmm. and guess what? He hits a home run, a massive home game run. Game tying home late run in the at game, the time. Game tying. And then another one. Francisco Alvarez comes mm -hmm. up. So two of the young guns decided to finally be in the lineup at the same time. And they have a massive impact on this game. And then in the 10th inning, Pete Alonso does what Pete Alonso does best, and that is hit home runs. Hits the walk-off home run. So this stat is actually insane. They hit three home runs in the 7th inning or later while being down two or more runs to either tie or take the lead. The only team over the last 50 years to do this in a game. Remarkable. Let the kids play. The reason I say the young guys saved the season is because I at no point believed this season was over for the Mets. Nobody should have. But let the kids play. And they finally allow it to happen, and this is the game mm -hmm. that it feels like I've been waiting for with the Mets. They, they needed a game like this, not just a win, but against a very good team a come from behind many times with the young guys being the reason you got back in this game. Now Vientos is up. Side note here, it's Thursday. The Mets are playing. Vientos isn't in the lineup. What are we doing there? Let the kids play. All of them. Beatty, Vientos, Alvarez. I understand Alvarez not playing today. He's a catcher and he's been catching a ton. But let him play. Don't allow a guy to come up, make his season debut, hit a home run, be a huge reason, and then he sits that next day. I don't like that, but the Mets' season has been saved by these young guys. I will agree, and they needed a game like this, but not just the young guys being a part of this, Alex. I think this helps the, the veterans turn it around as well, and this is a big thing. Obviously, we have Saturday with Smoltz now. Yeah. This is a big thing Smoltz talked about this week, which – Make sure you listen into it. But here's a little bit of what he had to say about this Mets team. They put the ball in play better than most lineups. I think that's going to work itself out. Pete Alonso, of course, streaky hitter, home run hitter. I just think they have too many good players on their roster. Marte, McNeil, um, Nemo, and, of course, Lindor. And I, I just – I think it's a matter of time. 
He thinks it's a matter of time, and it feels like the time is right now. This yeah. game on Wednesday, Alex, felt like the turning point. It was kind of everything that they needed because their star players so far this season were not playing to their full potential. They were not playing like the star players they could yeah. be, which is why we also saw a lot of these young guys come up. And then they finally got their chance. As you mentioned, both Vientos and Alvarez hit game-tying home runs in that game last night, allowing Pete Alonso to then come up, yeah. their home run hitter, to hit a walk-off home run in the 10th inning, their first walk-off win of the season. So it was like all these little build-up moments that perfectly got together. Here's these young guys making a difference. Seventh inning. Then it was, I don't know when Alvarez was at the ninth inning. And then we have... Yeah, Alvarez was with two outs. Yeah, two so outs seventh in inning, ninth inning, and then 10th inning to win it. So the, it was the perfect kind of building off of each other, helping each other out. And these are the kind of games that can help turn a season yes. around for a team. The, this this Mets team this year has been a nightmare to watch. And the the stars haven't been starring. No. They, they haven't no. been. And so you've needed just a shot in the arm, like positive energy, fun. And these young guys needed – you needed this. And Alvarez with that game-tying homer in the mm -hmm. ninth down to their last out – his bat flip was monstrous and beautiful and incredible, <laughs> and that's the energy. You saw the dugout going insane. This is what the team needed, but let the kids play. I will say, I, Not just one game, not just mixing and matching, not just platooning them. No, let them play. Have a lineup with Beatty and Vientos and Alvarez all in it together and believe in them, and then the Stars will certainly do what they've shown a track record of doing their entire career. Lindor will be better. Pete will be better. Pete, obviously, the big hit on that game, but uh, Steve Cohen tweeted after the game, that game was like a classic boxing match. It's hard to imagine a more exciting game. We needed that win. Yes, and they, they the did. The Mets certainly did. So yes, I will did. say, uh, yes, this is true. The young guys saved the Mets season and will continue to. Let the kids play. Let the kids play. All right, let's move on to our next statement. Okay. <clears throat> Nolan Arenado is back to being the best third baseman in baseball. I, the best is a very strong statement. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna say, let me talk through this. That's gonna be my answer. Okay, talk me through so, it. So, I I think the top tier of third baseman in the game of baseball. So the reason we're talking about this one is because Aaron Arenado is certainly back. Yeah, he went it, on a he went on a nice five homers stretch. and a five homer game five homer five straight games Thank with you. a home run. Yes, five yeah. straight games with a home run. Uh, his 1,000th RBI came on Wednesday night, continued to hit well on uh, on Wednesday despite not hitting a homer. But after a slow start, he is certainly back. Yeah. Now let's have the best third baseman in baseball talk. I think that tip-top tier is Manny Machado, Kay. him, and I would include Jose Ramirez in that. Um, and then like a tick below, you have Austin Riley, I think like Alex Bregman right around so there. So they're the, the elite. Yes. If we're doing our Matt tiers. Chapman this year, yeah. certainly. Um but of those of those top tier elite guys, Nolan Arenado is by far the best defensive third baseman. Nolan's no longer the best defensive third baseman in baseball. That's Cabrian Hayes. But of these elite of elite, he's by far the best defensive third baseman. I'm gonna say I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to say Nolan is back to being the best third baseman in the game of baseball. 
I like that you talked through it. I had, and to we talk got there. It. We got there, and we got yeah. there. I dig that. Okay, let's move on to our next statement. Okay. Shohei Otani will hit for the cycle this season. Yeah, yeah. He's so close twice Alex, already. It's Thursday morning, as you all know. We record the Thursday morning episode live, so one o'clock Eastern, ten a.m. Pacific. We record the Thursday episode live, and then it comes out right after that. As we're recording, Shohei hit a home run. Shohei might hit for the cycle by the time we're recording the show. This season, <laughs> yes, over the last two weeks, we've almost seen it happen twice, yeah. both while he's been the starting pitcher. He's got the speed. He's got the power, obviously. Uh, I, I, think, I think you're crazy if you say he's not going to hit for the cycle this season. Now, it's a very hard feat to do. He has done it in his career. He mm -hmm. did it in Tampa at the Trop. I think, yes, Shohei will hit for the cycle this season. Obviously, his 10th home run of the season he hit this morning, Thursday morning. Um, and then, again, over the last two weeks, both times when he's been the starting pitcher, he's been one away. The, f the first time he was a home run away and just two feet from hitting it out in his yeah. last at bat. And then against the Orioles, he was just the double away and ended up singling in his last at bat. So, I think, yes, I think absolutely he can get it done this season. I'm with you. It's going to happen. I love that it's happening when he's on the mound, too. He's, like, extra locked in. <laughs> really it's going to be happening when he's pitching, and then it's going to be another historic milestone for the unicorn. Well, uh, they just they, they never stop. Lately for it. him, the pitching hasn't been what we saw at the beginning of the year. It's been yeah. a bit of a struggle. And you know, I know this, and obviously you know this. Yeah. Shohei doesn't like not doing something great. And yeah. when he does something that doesn't help the team, that hurts the team, what better for him to just step in the box yep. and go above and beyond what, you know, oh, I just gave up two runs, I'll hit a three-run homer. And he's the only one in baseball that has the ability to really do that. Obviously, like defensively, you can make an error and mm -hmm. then come up and and do something well. But, but no, to be able to, to give up three runs yeah. and then come back up and be like, I got you guys. My bad. It's just, it's, it's impressive. All right. So this last statement, we're going to do a little differently. Okay. I'm going to have you fill in the blank and finish the statement. Okay. 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 All right. The Orioles will win the world series in the next blank years. The fill Orioles will win the world series in the next Three Ooh. years. In fact, Alex, I will do you one better. Okay. The Orioles are on the cusp of a dynasty. Now, whoa. Now, the term Hot dynasty take. in baseball gets tough because winning championships in multiple in a short amount of time is very difficult. But the San Francisco Giants from 2010 to 2014, dynasty. Mm -hmm. What we're currently witnessing with the Houston Astros and the stretch they're on, in my opinion, dynasty. Well, if you think about it, if you really think about it, the similarities between the Houston Astros and the Baltimore Orioles are becoming eerily similar. From 2006 to 2014, the Houston Astros never even made the playoffs. From 2011 to 2014, so a few years stretch there, they were the worst team in baseball, which means what? Draft picks. Well, from 2016 to currently, the Orioles have not made the playoffs. And again, from 2018 to 2021, the same length of time, the Orioles were the worst or second worst team in the game of baseball. Then what happened for the Astros? 
Well, you had those young guys from your draft picks start getting called up. The George Springers of the world. The uh, Jose Altuve signing. He comes up. It's what we're seeing with the Orioles. Adley Rutschman. Gunnar Henderson. Grayson Rodriguez. You see your, your stars and your young signings starting to come up and show flashes of being very good. In Adley's sense, being the best catcher in baseball. Then you have the other guys for the Astros. The top picks are coming up. Alex Bregman, the Carlos Correa signing. Then, then you have those guys start funneling in. Who is that for the Orioles? Jackson Holiday, the 19-year-old top draft pick for the Orioles, son of Matt Holiday. He is the real deal, and at every single level so far, he has been absolutely raking. Jackson Holiday is coming. But it's not just him. The O's have eight of baseball's top 100 prospects. Eight. Three of those in the top 15. However, this is where the Orioles need to take advantage. You got to completely buy in. You have to. And this is where I worry a little bit with the Orioles organization. They haven't shown me yet that the organization in the front office is willing to spend and go all in when the timing is right. When the writing is on the wall, go surround your young guys and your core with that veteran talent. Like I said, eerily similar with the Houston Astros and what, what they went through, and we all see what it has led to now. But look what the Astros did when all those guys I mentioned come up. They go get Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Zach Granke, Michael Brantley, just to name a few names that they surrounded that core with. But the time is now for the Baltimore Orioles. Right now. I think the time was in the offseason. Believe in your core, but they didn't really do it in the offseason. Do it at the trade deadline. Do it this offseason. The time is now. The Orioles can be a juggernaut for a long, long time and are on the cusp of potentially becoming a dynasty. The time is now. Sports Illustrated in 2014 put George Springer on the cover and said the 2017 World Series champion, Houston Astros. In 2014, they did that. Let me be the one to say the Baltimore Orioles are the 2026 World Series champions, and we are at the beginning of their dominant run. That's a hot take, especially since this season marks the 40th anniversary since their last World Series win. In 1983. Well, it'll get to 43 years. Hey. 2026. I, I'm just a big believer, and I'm a big believer in what they have yeah. there. I'm not a big believer yet in the front cool. office. That's going to be the big, big point. Are you able to go all in? All in. I mean completely buy in when the time is right to do it, and the time is right now. So, okay, if they buy all in, what do they need to change? What do they need to build? Who do they need to get? What positions you need to build around? It always starts with you need dominant top of the rotation pitching guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like two like aces of staffs. And right now the Orioles have some guys that are exciting to watch. But like I mean like real dominant. Take the ball every fifth day. You know you and get you're a win. an ace in the league. Yeah. So again, I'll mention Justin and Garrett Cole, like yeah. what the Astros did. They built the core. And then Justin, Garrett Cole, Zach Granke, they went and built the dominant pitching staff that they had. I don't know who that looks like for the Orioles. <clears throat> Corbin Burns. Yeah. 
Just saying. <laughs> but that's the kind of that's what I'm talking about at the top okay. of the rotation. Back into the bullpen, it's set. You got your guys. Yanir Cano and Felix Bautista are your stars. Let them be a part of this for a long, long time to come. Another bat, certainly. Mm-hmm. Get another top of the line offensive bat. Um, again, you keep seeing the similarities. What the Astros did with Michael Brantley, yeah. a guy that's going to hit 300 every year, a, a big bat in the lineup. Go get that. So that's what I would say. Top okay. end of the rotation, guys, and one big elite bat. So they're not far away. No. They have the pieces. They have the core. They have the young talent, as we've seen. Probably one of the most exciting young teams in the league right now. So, yeah. they're not. Will far. they do it? And when are they going to commit to do it? I, they're the not question. far, but I, I think the – they they are still like the young guys aren't that's why I gave that's why I say three years. Okay. Jackson Holiday is nineteen years old. It's unrealistic to think, call him up now, go for it. Nineteen years old. Yeah. The guy was facing high school pitching last year, which is seventy eight miles an hour, eighty two miles an hour at best. Like, let's pump the brakes on him making a difference right at this moment. But give it a a cup give it a year, two years, buy all in right now. Go for it. The team's still very good yeah. right now. That's why I say this. So, yes, that was my long-winded answer to say three years. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. I love it. But guess what? We are what? officially a quarter of the way through the That's Major League crazy. Baseball season. So we're going to give out some of our, I don't know if you can call them awards, or we're just going to call out players or teams that we believe three things, who had the best off-season move. Okay. Then we're going to do most underrated. And biggest surprise of the season. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I'm going to start so with we, you. We both have one. We right? both have them. Okay. We're going to start with you with best off-season move. Okay. So mine is um, I went in this direction because, one, I cheated a little bit, and I saw your answer to this one, not ah. the other ones. Yours is a great answer. Okay. So I went in a different direction. Which was funny because I was waiting to see what you gave, so I made sure I went in a different direction, and you didn't give it in by the time I gave him in. I was like, okay, done. I'm taking it. Masataka Yoshida. Yeah. Boston Red Sox batting 300 on the season with six home runs. The reason I say he's been the best offseason signing is look at the Boston Red Sox right now. And I'm not saying look where they are in the division. I'm saying look at their record. Who had them being a good bit, you know, quite a few games above 500. I believe it's, I believe it's 24 and 20 so far through the season. Um, and he's been a huge part of this 351 in the last month. Now, the reason I say he's been the biggest signing is because you look at the team before he got hot and after, and it was that game in Milwaukee on April 23rd, he came in batting 213, 213. And the team was right around, they were 500 at that time. Since then, he's jumped up to the 2-3 hole in the lineup and been a catalyst for this team ever since. Uh, It seems like he's getting multiple hits every night. He had two homers in that game and never looked back. I said that would be the breakout game for him, and it has been. And it was really the breakout game for this team that kind of went on a tear since then. So I will say best offseason move, Masataka Yoshida. It's a good one. What's yours? I know yours. Yeah, you know. Okay. <laughs> My best offseason move is Sean Murphy from the A's to the Braves. Now, I feel like he was almost kind of that missing piece yep. that this young Braves team needed. But it was also not only great for the Braves, it was great for Sean Murphy. So, the Braves obviously already a great team, right? They they've been in the conversation in the World Series, won a World Series over the last couple of years. 
But he was that, maybe that glue that this pitching staff needed to really take it to that next level, okay? And he's been the difference. But also, Murphy changing. So let's go through the first 43 games of last year to this year for Sean Murphy, okay? With the A's, he was batting 201, four home runs, 15 extra base hits, 20 RBI. This season with the Braves, batting 268, 10 home runs compared to the four home runs, 19 extra base hits, 34 RBI compared to 20 RBI the season before. And then even his strikeout to walk ratio is incredible. He was striking out a lot, not walking a ton last season. 44 strikeouts, 12 walks, opposed to this year, 34 strikeouts, 21 walks. So not only is he making a defensive difference with the pitching staff, but he has been a big offensive piece for the Braves as well, which is not necessarily what you expect when you're picking up a catcher to come to your team. Like, okay, do your job here, but he's also been – both sides of the ball, I think, a great offseason move for the Braves. I agree. I, I've been I've been saying for the majority of this, and really since they signed him, the Braves had been getting offensive production from the catching position. Yeah. But the catching position is about a lot more than just offensive production. In fact, you could argue defensive production is a lot more important and leading a pitching staff. Yeah. And he has been great at doing that while also putting up big numbers offensively as well. So he was, as you said, Alex, the piece that was missing for the Braves. Okay, let's move on to the most underrated. This could be a player. This could be a team. Who are you going with? Most underrated, Brent Rooker. Oakland A's coming into this week, the AL leader in OPS, Brent Rooker, over everybody on the A's. On the A's, <laughs> like you're making exactly disastrous start under, to the season. Exactly, yeah. Most underrated start, most underrated through a quarter of the season. Brent Rooker, 11 home runs, 30 RBI, and currently, as we sit on Thursday, he's just a mere percentage points behind Yandy Diaz for AL lead and OPS. But coming into this week, he was the leader. Uh, he's been fantastic. If you don't know the name, well, that's why you probably don't. And that's why yeah. he's on most underrated. I like that. Okay, who's yours? My most underrated is a team. My most underrated are the Miami Marlins. They are just in second place behind the Braves, who I just mentioned, one of the best teams in baseball, in the NL East, ahead of two teams who had extremely high expectations this season, with the Mets, obviously the highest payroll in baseball coming into the season, and the Phillies, who were just in the World Series. Now, the other thing with Miami is they also have extremely underrated players, I believe, on their team, like Luisa Rise, who's been batting almost 400 this entire season. And then they have so many young stars who are making a name for themselves. Someone who we just saw, Perez, who's the youngest player in baseball right now to strike out seven in his Marlins debut. I don't know it's because there's not a lot of fan hype around (laughs) Miami and they can't really fill the stadium, but they're doing great things. And they're having a strong season with some big names and some young up-and-coming names on the team. So I believe they are the most 
underrated team in baseball right I, now. I like the – yeah, the the Marlins have been a fun watch so far this year. Their pitching staff is is remarkable. Yeah. And obviously they're only going to continue to get better with all the young names that they have. So I like your answer there. Thank you. Now we're moving on to our last one. Your biggest surprise of the season. My biggest surprise is the Texas Rangers. They're 26-17. and 17. They are leading the American League West and – right behind the Rays in terms of runs scored in the American League. Second most runs scored in the American League. Their offense is elite. They've been doing this largely without Jacob deGrom, who's still going to be out for a couple of weeks. But Nady Evaldi has stepped up and been unhittable for like a month now. Uh, They've been doing, again, all of this offensively without Corey Seager who just finally got back in the lineup Wednesday from his hamstring issue. He's back now. The offense is only going to get better. The This is the biggest surprise so far is that the Texas Rangers are not just good. They're great. They've been one of the best teams in the American League. Uh, I, I like them a lot, and it's been a big surprise, I would say, that the Rangers are 26-17. and 17. My biggest surprise is also a team, but in the National League, and I feel really sad that I have to go here because I should have not been surprised. My biggest surprise team are the LA Dodgers. What? Okay? Yes. Let me explain. Okay? Because the offseason they had, all we kept talking about was how disappointed we were. They weren't doing the things that Dodgers normally do. They were losing big names. They weren't going after big free agents, all the major free agents that were on the market. We never heard the Dodgers name in the mix to go get these guys in positions like shortstop after losing Trey Turner that they needed to fill. While on the other hand, their division rivals, the Padres were going after every single big name that was available on the market as a free agent. So I had expectations that the Padres, with this all-star lineup that they had, were just going to completely blow through the NL West and the Dodgers were going to be in trouble. (laughs) Quarter way through the season, that's not the case. The Dodgers are in first place. They are eight games ahead of the Padres. I should have believed in them. They've won the NL West nine out of the last ten years, and I did not have that same belief going into this season. That so, sounds like a you problem. That is a me problem. This is who I'm surprised with, not you. So this was my biggest surprise, and I am happy that they are doing great, but I'm also mad at myself that I didn't have that belief right at the start of the season because the Dodgers are a great organization and always seem to figure it out. If I had told you on, what, March 28th mm-hmm. that the Dodgers on May 18th are going to be in first place in the NL West. Would you have been like, what? After the the offseason that they had and the other teams in the division and what the Padres should be doing with the talent and the names that they have, yeah, I probably would have been surprised. Okay. I, you I, picked per, the Padres no, to I did. win I, I would, the Personally, NLS. the bigger surprise to me is that the Padres are bad, not that the Dodgers are good. The Dodgers mm-hmm. were still, after everything you mentioned, yeah. the favorite to win the NL West. And I thought that – I think that might have been a bit surprising with everything the Dodgers did. But still, at the end of the day, the favorites to win the division. And now that they're winning the division, it's not the biggest surprise in the yeah, world, I don't think. Well, yeah, to you, that's why they were Thank your you. biggest surprise. It's my biggest surprise. surprise. Okay. All right. Um, okay. I was going to say I'll allow it, but it's not my thing to allow. You can't. It's your- <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I will allow me to have this opinion in it okay. and pick the Dodgers. Okay. And I, it's a happy surprise. Okay. I wanted to go happy surprise, not sad surprise, okay? 
We're team positive over here. Yeah, I want Happy's my vibe. This They're is what a big I want. Surprise. They were the other one too, but yeah, that's okay. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> now we're moving on to your BVP, Ben's most valuable players. Yep. From both divisions so far this season. Yep. Okay. Just another weekly update on who, combining both leagues, has been the best player so far, and who would be the the lone MVP if the season ended today. And uh, starting with number five, who was my best off-season move, Sean Murphy. Yeah, I think you can find some players out there with better offensive numbers, but still very good out of Sean Murphy. A huge impact, 268, 10 homers, 34 RBIs. However, what he's brought to this team and being the missing piece and being on the Braves who have been elite all year long and leading the pitching staff the way he has, uh, everything combined for me, Sean Murphy is absolutely in the conversation, uh, top five at number five, BVP. And at number four, Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz, I mentioned him earlier when I was talking about Brent Rooker taking the back seat in the AL OPS race, but just barely behind Yandy Diaz, who now leads the American League in OPS with an OPS of 1.021 on the year. Uh, obviously, the Tampa Bay Rays are the best team in the game of baseball, yeah. and Yandy Diaz has been a huge part of that. He's hitting 321 on the year still on May 18th for him to be doing that with the OPS that he has is truly impressive and driving in 24 runs to boot there. So Yandy Diaz is on this list as the first Tampa Bay Ray. Yeah, and let's move on to the second Tampa Bay Ray, Randy Arozarena. Randy just continues yeah. to be a legend. Every homer he hits, he does his arms cross <laughs> I love celebration. that we have his move, too. I, I love I it. I love it so Batting much. Batting 3-10 on the year, 10 homers with 36 RBIs already on the season. Uh, look, best team in baseball, most runs driven in for the team, high batting average. He's a, he's a superstar. He does He's exciting for the game. He does his celebration. He's becoming the legend of Randy. Well, and his story, too, is incredible, too, Just, that we right, learned we, during the yeah, WBC. Yeah, we talked a lot about that during yeah. the WBC. And I'm a big Randy fan. The legend, I won't want to say, I don't want to say the legend is, is the legend continues, continues with Randy. It started in the World Series. It continued through the World Baseball Classic. And I remember you and I having a conversation of, like, Randy's really never done this over the course of a regular season. A star is born. If he can continue yeah. doing what he did in the World Baseball Classic through the regular season, this guy's an MVP caliber player. And fast forward to May 18th, he's now number three on my BVP list. I mean, just picture batting practice. What a legend coming through with a sombrero, cowboy hats. Like, <laughs> there was no one cooler than Randy at the WBC. He was signing autographs during the game yes, <laughs> out I, in left field. He's great. Such a fan. Okay, let's move on to number two, Ronald Acuna Jr. What can you even say about Ronald at this point? 345 with 11 home runs and 27 RBIs with 18 stolen bases on the year. So Look, hot right I'm, now? I'm going to say this. Shohei's been... Well, foreshadowing. Yep. Shohei's still number one. He's been there for three or four weeks now. Ronald's getting close to taking yeah. that top spot. And Ronald is hitting home runs every night right now. He hit one Wednesday that was like 324, and it just was like, ho-hum, that's it, 324. Like, you could have thrown it that far. 
he every night he's hitting like 450 yeah. foot homers. It's insane what he's doing right now. And while stealing all of these bases, we're at the quarter mark of the season. He has 11 home runs. He's just heated up power wise. 40 40 season for Ronald Acuna. Give it to me, please. (laughs) I love it. I've loved Ronald since he's come into the league. As you know, I've said this. There's always been a soft spot in my heart for the Braves. I grew up in Richmond where the AAA team is going to Richmond Braves games, watching the Braves on TV every single night. There will always be a soft spot for them. And the second Ronald came up, I just fell in love with this guy. And he has been above and beyond this year. And back to what he was pre-injury. I'm loving it. We love it. All right. Well, you mentioned number one, holding strong, Shohei Otani. Yeah, really every time he does, like anytime he does one thing not up to his standards that we've become accustomed to, he goes above and beyond in another aspect. But just as a whole, just listen to these numbers of 288 on the year, just hit his 10th home run on the year this morning, five and one on the mound, a 3.23 ERA and 71 strikeouts. That's that's the best player in baseball, my yeah. friends. Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball and the greatest talent the game has ever seen. And he almost hit for the cycle the other day. Was one hit away from doing it. Uh, just just the double away from doing it. Uh, he, he, those numbers that I just mentioned are every bit of the reason why there is no more valuable player in the game of baseball than somebody that can go out and get you five and one on the mound with a three two ERA and two eight eight with ten homers in the box. It's it's remarkable fun to watch so we got this week's bvp sean murphy yandy diaz randy arozarena ronald acuna jr and shohei otani round out the top five and that rounds out our show that rounds out our our thursday show what a blast that was, that fun. was a fun one a lot of good stuff to talk about uh congrats again to kasumba dennis uh, what a this i is, can't wait this is a good day this, this is, is a, great a day. good day a special day and i am so so happy for him i was so happy the other day and then to hit that little snag yeah. of not being able to get the visa uh was just heartbreaking but so then thanks to the flipping bats community too for being along for this ride and helping share yeah. and get his story out there absolutely awesome. it certainly helped every bit of it because one thing that the uh american embassy over there said is they have seen the media coverage of what is going on yes. with him and that was a part in him coming over here so Shout out again to the Flippin' Bats community. Definitely a huge, huge part of making this happen, which just keeps a smile on my face. So really, really cool there. Thank you all for listening to this Thursday episode. We will be back, of course, tomorrow. And you heard a little snippet Saturday with Smoltz. We're going to talk about the Mets as well as a brawl of his that he got in. But it's going to be a blast there. But until next time, this has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever and on we're on all social media twitter instagram facebook tiktok and you can watch every episode as well on youtube at flipping bats pod for all that does it for thursday until next time my friends peace